Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. you <laughs> you know it was just like we 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 had this we set up this future together it was it was pretty it was pretty incredible so that's a memory that I have from that episode my name is Anna Silk for six seasons I played Bo on the hit tv series Lost Girl I am so happy you are here for the Lost Girl rewatch podcast to take a trip down memory lane with me the amazing cast, and some very special guests. I'm so glad to finally be able to say the family is back together again. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast. Oh my gosh, I am excited today because my co-host today is a bit of an enigma. Definition of enigma, a person that is mysterious, puzzling, or difficult to understand. (laughs) He really is an enigma. He is also one of the most genuine and kind people I know. I don't think I have ever met another human who takes such great care of his body, his mind, and his spirit. And that care reaches everyone around him. Oh my gosh, I always get so emotional. All of these qualities are what lit up the screen whenever Hale was on it and led to probably one of the most layered performances on our show. Oh my gosh. Please, please, please welcome the fabulous Casey Collins. Why am I crying, Casey Collins? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Hello, sir. Hello. I'm so emotional. Back emotions. Oh, wow. This is sort of not really how I wanted to be reintroduced to the 
Lost Girl World. But thank you um, for for that intro. That's amazing. Thank you, thank you. And I'm so I, I'm your co-host. That's amazing. You're my co-host to talk about today's episode. Honestly, I've been writing a little intro for everybody, and I I I just yours was hard for me to write. I don't know why. Um, in the best way, I mean that. Um, you're such a special person to me and you were so special on the show. I'm I'm crying. Um, But yes, you are my co-host for today. We are here to talk about season one, episode seven, which was titled Arachnophobia. It was written by Emily Andras, who every uh, Lost Girl fan knows Emily Andras. Uh, She went on to create Winona Earp. And, um, you know, is an incredible writer and was a huge presence on our show. And it was directed by John Fawcett, who yes, John. directed many of our episodes in the first season. And, <clears throat> you know, we, we all know and love John. Yes. Um, my first question for you, how did you feel watching this episode and what were your first impressions watching it? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm, uh, I had a late night. Um, so <laughs> that's okay. This bass in my voice is not natural. As much as I would love the, for it. The bass in your voice is one of my favorite things about you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But um, okay. Uh, one of my favorite things in this episode, um, and it was sort of a two-part question. So just so I can spend a little bit more time with you, because I'm loving this already, I'll have you ask me the second part again but i i think my favorite believe it or not my favorite part is when you hit me in the head with the frying pan the second time not the first time and then you say still dirty (laughs) ah that was classic (laughs) i loved it i loved it it was amazing it was so funny you were i'm gonna just expand a little bit you were so you embodied this episode uh, or that episode. It was just, it was just incredible to watch. It was such a, such an amazing performance. Obviously as a lost girl, you know, um, cast, we, we always sort of bring it, but there was something different about this one. And I think it's, it's something that could have went wrong, but went so right. And so I just wanted to point that I out. agree with you. Yeah. 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 I totally agree with you because it, it was a bit of a risky episode in terms of the storytelling and the sort of paranoia and aspect of it and stuff, but it yeah. did go so right. Yes, it did. It really did. Yes. <laughs> and I'm glad I could I was do so this. happy I'm watching this episode. That. You were happy watching the episode? Um, I. I was so happy watching the episode. It just made me smile from ear to ear. I I was so, it was so much fun. We had so much fun. I loved that there was like the theme for the episode really was like this rivalry. Everyone was like bickering, you know, like Kenzie and Bo are bickering from the very start. Um, And even Dyson and Lauren who don't get infected by the spider are, there's like a rivalry between them. Um, So it was just, I loved that kind of theme of it. And yes, I agree with you. The frying pan stuff was amazing. And fans listening, just so you know, uh, hitting someone over the head with a frying pan, which of course was a rubber frying pan, 
not a metal Ooh, was one. It though? Is that uh, or cast iron yeah, one. Um, we, to do something like that, to sell that, it really depends on the person getting hit. So Casey sold that so well, uh, cause if, you know, if he doesn't sell it, it looks like I'm hitting nothing. So you sold it so well and you're getting knocked out each time, both times was pretty, pretty incredible. Um, so yes, I, I really enjoyed that part too. Um, I also loved seeing you and Dyson in the cop shop. I always loved you guys in the cop shop. That was kind of like your natural habitat on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you just felt like cops, you know, <laughs> you just felt like cops. And I thought the cop shop, which I wish we had kept longer. Um, but cause at some point I think we stopped going there in somewhere, in some season somewhere, um, yeah. as going there as much, but it was such a big part of the first season. So I just love seeing that. Um, and I loved your reaction to Bo when she's like, you know, can, can I talk to Dyson privately? And I love that big smile on your face. <laughs> like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> um, there was just so much, so yeah. much about it that I loved watching. It just made me so happy. And it was such a sense of, sense of adventure in this episode. Absolutely. And when I got to um, sort of revisit it, I was just like, oh, as soon as you you came on screen, I was just like, just nostalgia just hit me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, look at them. It's so amazing, you and Kenzie, and it was just uh, you and Ksenia, and it was just like it just it just it all flooded back, and it was just incredible. And uh, to have that experience is uh, is just always going to be with me, and it's just it's it was incredible. So we shall move, we shall continue. Yeah, I think it's going to stay with all of us. I think we all got bit by some sort of face biter. (laughs) And, um, you know, a a love bite for the show and for the fans, um, which is, you know, why we're doing this podcast that they have, uh, the fandom has been so strong, as you know, um, that it has inspired us to, to take this, this little trip down memory lane together, which is so, has been so special. Okay. Second part of that question was, oh, I guess it was, what were your first impressions watching the episode? I think we've talked about that unless you want to add more to that. Yeah. It was just, uh, (laughs) it was, it was joy. It was absolute joy. I was just like, yeah, joy. Yeah. It was joy. I was so happy watching. I was like, why am I not watching them? Best memories from filming. Do you have any memories at like of, you know how sometimes when you watch it, you can be like, oh yeah, I remember that day this happened. Or do you have any best memories from, from watching? Um, yeah, I do. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm, I'm losing my voice a bit because, uh, just from the filming in the late night, but, um, so I apologize. But, um, what I, you know what? I remember being, okay. The first part of the episode where, <laughs> You know, um, Kenzie's doing her little seance, uh, her little cleansing in that episode. And uh, uh, Dyson and I are walking and uh, we see we see that you guys are at the house, the murder house. Right. It's not a filming memory, but it's a. in between setup memory, I just remember me and Dyson looking at uh, houses and just being like, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to move to Costa Rica, man. I'm going to build a house out there. He's like, I'm coming. 
I'm like, you're coming? He's like, yeah, I'm going to live right beside you. <laughs> you know, it was just like, we, uh-huh. we, we had this, we set up this future together. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty incredible. So that's a memory that I have from that episode. That's a great memory. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it was always fun to be on location and we were on location that day at that house. And, um, it, I, one of my unique memories of filming that episode was that, so it was our first season, right? So, you know, we don't know what the show is going to be. We haven't gotten a fan reaction yet. We, you know, we're just kind of doing our, our job. We were, Kenzie and I, which, and Kenzie and I had so much, because Kenzie and I had so much fun in that episode, obviously Mm -hmm. you can see the fun we're having. Um, But all this stuff like in, in Bo and Kenzie's apartment and like going down into the basement and obviously fans listening, there was no basement. There was just a stairs that stairs that went to nowhere. (laughs) So when we had to be cued to come down into the basement, those were just a set of stairs that went to a a platform (laughs) and there was a crew member up there with us to hold, um, you know, a lighting kind of thing. And I remember between takes, he would say to Ksenia and I, you know, I think this show is going to be a big hit. And we're like, really? And he's like, yeah, I mean, look at you girls having so much fun and the crew's so happy to be here. This show's going to be a hit. And we were like, and then it would be like action and we'd go down and do, you know, our thing. But I just remember him saying that. And that was kind of the first time someone had flagged that maybe we were doing something unique and special. Um, So I just, that was just a memory I had about filming that came to me while, while I was watching. Well, whoever that was, uh, and he was right. He was right. So I was about to say, whoever that was, let's get some uh, lottery numbers off of that guy. You know, I know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, he, he was, he was right. Um, Most difficult or challenging part of filming this episode. Um, it was probably being tied up. That's just never fun. You know, because it's always for way longer than yeah, it appears on screen. Right? Exactly. It's hours and hours. It's just yeah. like, so, uh, all right. So how much time do we, yeah, it's just five minutes, five minutes and, and we're, we're going to get going again. Okay, cool. Yeah. I could do five minutes. It's not a problem. So we're at about 15 and starting to feel a little tingling. How much longer? Two minutes, two minutes. Okay. Yeah. Two minutes. I can do two minutes more. I can do two minutes more. And then, you know, so yeah, it's it's never what they say, and that's just filming in general. And so when you're in that sort of, I don't know, position, it's uh, it can be challenging. Yeah, absolutely. But we had such a caring set, so you know, it was we did. Yeah, we did. Um, I feel like, you know, uh, well, here's a question, or mm-hmm. I guess just an observation. You were officially the only cast member ever whose face I licked. <laughs> yeah, okay. I licked your face. Okay. So for me, I think that was probably the most challenging part of the episode because you're my friend, Casey. Right. And exactly. I had to consider how to lick your face respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I licked it. You licked it. I licked it. But you know what's so interesting about that is that I have no memory of it being licked. 
Oh, I licked it. Because you're, I guess, I don't know. It's like, like you're, you're like, we're, we're, we're friends. We're like, we're, we're connected. And I was just like, well, erased out of the memory. You know what I mean? It was just like. <laughs> so it meant nothing to you is I just, what you're I saying. Don't want, I just don't want to remember you like that. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I understand. Uh, but yes, no, I wanted to be, I was like, how do I do this respectfully? This is Casey. I gotta, I gotta figure this out, but we did. And you know what? It was a great moment. And, um, sold it. You I sold have a question for you actually about, about that, the whole thing being tied up. Do you remember how they did? Cause I know fans love to hear this kind of stuff too. How did they do the CGI spider on you? Do you remember? Um, vaguely. And I remember it was nothing. It was, I remember it was my pure imagination and then it came into play in post and post is just sort of right. after the production. Um, people sit around on their computers and make things happen. And uh, that's what I remember. But I think on the day, I think- there like a light or They something? put like green dots on you. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the green dots. I, I was, I, I don't know if there was like a light or like, like, I feel like there was a little light or something and it was, it, it would track. And, uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I remember there wasn't a damn spider. I remember that. I remember there wasn't a damn spider too. Cause like when I, every time I watched the spider, by the way, even though I knew it was not real, I had a hard time watching it in this episode, particularly when I was in the shower, which Bo didn't know she was about to get bit by a spider. Why is she so serious in the shower? <laughs> it's like the most serious shower. She's just like, here I am showering in slow motion, waiting for a spider to bite me. Um, but I had a hard time watching that because I was like, no, because I'm a little bit scared of spiders. But I, I know that like Clint, whose last name is escaping me right now, but Clint did all of our CGI. He was amazing and just a great presence on set. And I, I just remember like them always putting green dots on us or green dots around, you know, whatever they had right. to make so have cool. some sort of effect. Right. Um, Anyway, I just, I, I thought maybe you would ask or you would remember about that day specifically about that CGI spider, but we loved our CGI spider. Yes, we did. Um, what do you think worked and what maybe didn't work filming this episode? Um, oh my gosh. Honestly, everything looked pretty damn flawless. I have to say, and I agree. Uh, like honestly, rewatching it, I was just like, "This was so well done." And yeah, I mean, it, you know, if you're if you're comparing it to today, you can't you can't really do that because the CGI today was is much different than CGI back then. Um, you know, we're just we're moving at such a a, a crazy pace when it comes to technology, but uh, everything worked and even being a part of the production, like the, you know, it's just like, I don't remember anything that didn't work. It was all good. I agree. You know, I know I didn't really have any, like, I didn't really flag anything that didn't work in this episode. Yeah. I thought the storytelling, the way it sort of all weaved together worked so well, um, which obviously comes from the writing and directing as well as performance. But um, I loved uh, th the only thing like, the CG spider to me, of course, it looked like a CG spider, but it kind of like had some charm because of that, <laughs> I think. Uh, and I loved that. Um, I loved 
Gosh, there was a lot of things I loved about that, about this episode. I loved the real estate agent, first of all, the the, the yeah, actress yeah. that played her. She was, I remember she was so bright and sunny just as a personality, like just talking to her on set. She was so excited to be there. And um, I loved her reaction to Kenzie's like shaman ritual. That's right. Her reaction was so genuine and earnest and like she was so wowed by her and that's, that's what made it so funny, you know? That's so that actress was great. We always had such incredible guest stars on the show, as you know. Um, I also loved your, the first time you're on screen in this episode, I loved your walk and talk with Dyson down that long driveway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you, as then you discover that Bo, Bo's car is at that the crime scene. Um, and for fans listening though, just so you know, like those big, long walk and talks, you only have one take, there's no coverage in them. So everyone's got to be really on, especially the actors. They can't, they can't be, if there's one mistake, you're going back to the beginning and you're starting over. So I just, I loved whenever we had those big walk and talks and I thought you and Chris did that one so particularly well. Um, I also loved how John Fawcett covered the paranoia aspect of the episode with some of the camera work yeah. and things looking kind of weird. And um, I loved that Hale got to come play in uh, Bo and Kenzie's chaos in that episode really specifically. I loved the connection between you and Kenzie, like between Hale and Kenzie on that episode, just really kind of, uh, it was kind of like the, the beginning of, what would later become a deeper relationship between you, between your characters. Um, and it was nice to see those beginnings because, you know, we don't, we don't think back to those until we see it. Um, yeah. I, I just felt like there was so much that worked. I also loved the actress that played the badass yeah. security person. Absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely. Holy cow. Fantastic. I mean, she was, she was fantastic. Yeah, I should and remember her name. And I, I hate to, to look at. Yeah, I should remember her name. Yeah, you know what? I don't either. But she, when she had her hands out in the fire and just her, she had so much screen presence, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to come on a show that you don't know anyone. You don't. You don't understand. You're holding your hands out. There's fire in them, you know. But she she owned it, and she was yeah. so good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> agreed. Any behind-the-scenes memories or secrets about filming this episode that fans might like to know? I feel like we've covered a lot of that stuff. I, I think so. Um, um, yeah. Let's, uh, let's 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 take a pause and think about it. Uh, let's take a pause. Um, oh well, the glass I- is not glass when you, so when I smash through the uh, the glass door. Uh, Chase going after Kenzie. Oh yeah, right is obviously. Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but it is not glass. Um, we usually use like a candy glass, is what they call it, right? Um, and right. I, I, I don't know, maybe it's, I think it's made out of sugar, for you know, for for these purposes. Um, so just yeah, there's that. There's that, mm-hmm. uh, and that's actually really interesting for fans to know because what. You know, when you're filming it on the day and you smash glass that's not glass, it doesn't sound like glass, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you're doing it, it has a different sound and that sound is put in later. And that's really what sells it. But in terms of like the actual filming of it, it always feels a bit funny, yeah. right? So that's yeah. a that's a really good 
that's a really good thing to to tell fans about because that's really interesting. Absolutely. And obviously the axe was uh, a real axe. It just wasn't that sharp. Um, no, it wasn't an axe. It wasn't. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, so, <laughs> okay. I was like, it was a real axe? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's odd. What a choice for Lisa to give us a real axe. Right. Um, um, how did you feel doing your whistle on the day? On the day? Uh, yeah, I felt great. Felt great. I, yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, my, my, my son is six now and he, he's been whistling since he was like two. It was, it's weird, you know, and uh, <sighs> we whistle, man. <laughs> we whistle. We whistle. Yeah, so like, it was just natural. It was already there. Yeah. We were just like, we, you know, I, I just, I, I like whistling. So, yeah. Well, we, you sold it. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I always felt a bit weird doing my succubus chi thing without the the effects put in post, right? Like it always felt really odd to me. But then once I saw, once I saw it done, then I, then I just had trust that it would, it would look good. It would sell. You yeah, know? Absolutely. Um, it would sell. Yeah. All the time. It, it was great. All the time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like this, uh, it know, was. I just don't. I, I I don't get it. I don't understand how it all just worked. It's weird. It did. And going back through this whole season, Casey has been like. I think I. We we always knew that we were doing something special and unique. We didn't know where it would reach, and then once it reached the audience, that ended up being this huge, you know fandom for the show and got that kind of feedback, then we, it just kind of fueled us to know that, to trust a little more in what we were doing and then just have even more fun as the seasons went on. But like looking back at this season in particular is so nostalgic for me. Like we're all really finding our feet and finding the story and knowing each other so well now and looking at us then, you know, it's just, there's a, there's an, a bit of an innocence about watching it for me that is really special. Um, and when you have that many talented people around you, you just, it just, it is truly lightning in a bottle. Well said. Perfect. That's it. Lightning in a bottle. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Lightning in a bottle. Because <clears throat> I don't know. I, uh, I guess what people don't understand is when you have a show it's always hard to gauge what the tone of the show is going to be like. Um, and that means for everyone involved, right? Everyone might have a different idea of the tone. And um, it was just nailed. You know, I, I know. It was, and, and we'll get to some of those points, but it was just, it was nailed. And it was almost like it was just meant to happen. Because when I look yeah. back now, I'm like, you know what, real, I, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. You know, I, I feel yeah. like I just, yeah, right? Yeah. We just sort of worked off of each other and, wow, whatever happens, happens. And we're like, wow, this was good. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, with sci-fi in particular, like, you know, I've been asked before, like, is it hard to imagine a fake spider biting you? And it's actually like... For some reason, to me, that's easier to access because it's, it's pure imagination, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, 
it can be whatever it is for you is the right choice, you know? Um, so like those things are not, it's this, the, the world of lost girl, we told real human stories in a fictitious sci-fi setting, you know? Um, so this was one of those episodes, of course, it advanced storylines and advanced, um, relationship storylines, particularly for you and Kenzie and for, uh, Dyson and Lauren, which I loved all their stuff in this episode too. Like the, the drink at the bar with, uh, <laughs> with Bo and the awkwardness and the, the rivalry they had, it was so good, you know? So this, this episode did advance those storylines, but also it was one of those kind of one-off episodes where we just had fun within the, the kind of case of the week that we were dealing with. By the way, I loved the surgery too. I loved the surgery of, of, you know, Lauren, Lauren, she, Zoe always felt like a real doctor to me. Yeah. 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 And she just, she had such ease. Exactly. That ease would get into your head in the most. So that's why I enjoy the, the scene between her and Dyson and you in the middle, because it was just like, I could see, and and I could see her getting into his head, but him also that alpha wolf thing was able to put up a shield and and knock it back to her and this 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 tennis match was just happening and it was just fantastic and it was uh, i love the moment for bo when when dyson says the word fealty and she's like i, I don't really know what that means but <laughs> i'm pretty sure she's <laughs> whatever she says like it was just very sweet bo yeah. is kind of very, there was an innocence to her, particularly in the first season that I thought was quite, she just didn't understand the world she was in quite yet. You know, that evolved, um, over other seasons, but, um, you know, much the way that Zoe was able to embody that ease on screen playing the doctor, you, Mr. Collins embodied, like you, you have such a looseness in your body that I actually really covet, to be honest, (laughs) watching you, you, you really do fill up a frame with so much and your body is so loose. How do you do that? I feel like I was saying to my husband last <laughs> night, cause we, I knew I was going to be talking to you today. I was like, Casey Collins and I together, it's like, as his cool goes up, my dork factor goes <laughs> up. <laughs> so like <laughs> as your cool increases and by cool, by the way, I mean that kind of looseness in your body yeah. that you, you embody your body. Um, and I, in contrast, I feel very dorky around you, which I kind of like to be perfectly honest, but it's something that I've always been in awe of with you. And, um, you know, to kind of wrap it up, I just, you know, to do this episode with you is, is really special. Um, you were so fantastic on the show. I would love to do this with you again, as we go into later seasons and, um, see where Hale's character went. Um, because he was a huge part of our show and even your end, which spoiler alert, but not really, cause everyone's watched the show. This is a rewatch, um, you know, right up until the end. And it, it, you were just so, we were so lucky that you were, that you were Hale. And I am so lucky because I got to know you as a person and, um, your family and, you know, fans, Mr. Collins was at my wedding. Uh, and I think danced probably more than anyone. 
and there was a lot of dancing at my wedding. <laughs> so uh, we do have a, a fondness for each other and um, that will never go. And thank you for being here with me today and for being here with the fans who I know will love hearing your voice again. I know you are a busy man. We are going to say goodbye. Oh, no. And, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Oh, no. I know. Oh. But we'll do it again. Okay. You promise? Thank you, Mr. Collins. Thank you. Yeah, I promise. All right. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you on the next one. Mwah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's Spotlight. Um, we are very, very lucky. Uh, of course, I'm going to get emotional. I'll try to keep it. I'll try to keep it down. Okay. I'm very excited. I can promise you that there is not a single person out there listening or watching right now that doesn't know who today's spotlight is. To say she played a critical role in the success of Lost Girl is an understatement. She's a comedic genius leads with a very full heart, and does so well what I think all great artists do. She trusts her instincts and then digs deeper into them. When all of that arrives on the pages of your script, you know that it will be magic on screen. On a personal note, she truly paved a safe and open path of communication where my voice was not only heard, but valued. Please help me welcome the incredible Emily Andres. Oh my Emily. God, I'm <laughs> devastated right out of the gate. I know. A mess. Ah, a mess. A I mess. was like, who is she talking about? <laughs> well, oh I'm talking God. about you. Oh, uh, that was incredible. Thank you. It's such an, uh, I'm so happy you're here with me, obviously. Oh my God, Anna. It's I'm so happy incredible. you're doing this. It's been really incredible to go back and watch the first season of Lost Girl. Yes, it's I so have not fun. seen it. I mean, ever in this way. No. Um, and so, and so, for the audience listening and watching, we just finished watching episode seven. Oh, fun! Arachnophobia, right? Which you wrote, right? I did. Um, yes, and so, and I have to say, it's probably one of my favorite episodes of the season. It's it's a fun one. It's a really fun one. Like it was a gift to be given that script for sure. Mm -hmm. But I feel like so many things come together in it. Like it's mid-season, season one. Everybody really is cooking. You start to see like your comic timing and everyone else is bringing their A-game. It's such a gratifying episode to watch. It I really is. Too. It's yeah. one of my favorite Lost Girls for sure. Yeah, me too. And it was so physical for Cassandra yes. and I. Like just to be like, like lots of crawling and like swinging. Yeah. Um, Frying pans. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's always fun too. Uh I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, so I have a few questions for you. Yeah, of course. Um, my first one is, what, what was it like being in the writer's room for season oh. one of Lost Girl? It was incredible. It was life-changing. Um, I had never done genre before, but I knew Michelle Lavretta, our inimitable creator, of course, from a show called Instant Star, um, which starred such, um, you know, amazing new talent as Zoe Palmer and Tim Rozon and yeah. Tatiana Masliana. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so, Maslani, I'm so, Maslani. so emotional from your intro. <laughs> um, so, but I had never done genre before. I was a huge fan and Michelle was a fan of my writers. She was just such an incredible mentor. So she brought me on along with um, Peter Moen and Jeremy Boxen and Pam Pinch. Um, so it was like a stellar team for season. Um, I was scared. I'd never really done genre before, but I, talk about- I just have to stop for a second though, but you never had done genre before. No, I was always like a big fan. Like I love Buffy. I love Twin Peaks. I love Star Trek. But I just had never had the privilege of writing. And I do remember even that like my writing samples were not genre. So Michelle really went to bat for me with the network. She was like, look, I, I, I promise she'll be able to figure it out. So that was really lovely of her. But that's so classic Loretta. Um, it was just such talk about someone who creates a safe space. Like Michelle and Pete co-show ran the first year, but it was Michelle's baby. She created it. It was just one of the most fun, inventive rooms I've ever been in. Do you know what I mean? Like just being able to pitch something like this spider that makes you psychotic and it's a way to kind of like do a bottle episode and then make, you know, Kenzie and Bo be at each other's throat was so fun and freeing. And that's the thing about genre. Like you just get to do stories you'd never get to do anywhere else. So yeah, I mean, there's no, like, there's no guy, like what is it called? There's no parameters. No, no guidelines at all. Not at all really. Um, And like season one is always hard. You're really figuring out what it is, you know, what the tone is like. And I'm sure you guys have talked about this on the show, but like the next episode you guys are doing 108 was shot as the pilot, right? And it's so sexy and so great and so gritty. And then like you see arachnophobia and it's a little bit goofier and funnier. So you're really trying to find your footing about what the show can do in first season. Then we had an incredible cast that they could do everything. Yeah. I mean, I noticed in episode seven that there is like a lot of leading up to, oh, I don't think you can trust Lauren. I don't think you can trust Lauren. You know, yeah. there's that it was hard because we had to go backwards, right? So I knew in seven, we had to be like, how do we get Dyson and Bo to this place where like, he's like, I'm not going to let you heal anymore. And um, it was hard. It was hard to go backwards. It was a weird Sudoku. You don't usually do that, but no. it was good. And we have talked a lot um, on this podcast about how we shot out of order. Maybe you can answer, finally answer the question. Why? Why did we do that? I don't know. It's funny. I think because this is, I don't, I don't want to speak for Michelle, but I think this is what happened. When the network ordered a pilot script, 
they said, we don't want, we don't want what's called a premise pilot. So the premise pilot is literally, this is what the show is, right? So when you look at 101, we're literally meeting Bo. She's uh, meeting Kenzie. We're learning about her powers. She's learning that she's Faye. The network said, we want to know what a typical episode of Lost Girl looks like. So Michelle wrote it as if, you know, Bo and Dyson were already semi-involved and Lauren was already on the scene. Like they kind of wanted to know how the sex was going to be handled, what it felt like. So I think that's why they did it that way. But I think if you had put episode eight as the pilot, it would have been confusing. Do you know what I mean? Like we weren't invested enough in these characters to know what Lauren's betrayal meant or why we would have needed a lot of answers. Exactly. Yeah. And probably had flashbacks or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's something would have had to have happened if mm-hmm. it was our pilot. Sometimes um, in TV you do, if you have the luxury, sometimes you shoot episode two or three first, just so that when people see the pilot, the actors are a little bo- more in their groove. Like, really? um, but I don't think we did that. I think we just, I we think were all we over the just, place. And it's we funny, like for me personally watching yeah. through, I can see I, I know which ones we shot early and which ones we shot later. Just, I mean, I can remember a little bit, but also mm-hmm. because I can just tell by me. Yeah. There's a, there's just a little less ease in my body in those right. first few because That's there really just is, you know? Yeah, you it's, don't know. And maybe no one would notice, but I do. I can hear it in my voice. I can see it in my body language. There's just a little hesitation or something something there. Um, so Are it's you true. being generous with yourself when you watch it this go-round though? I think yeah. I am. Honestly, yeah. I think I am because I, I didn't Good. think I would be. And I thought, yeah, I'm just going to- Yeah, I'm really I'm just curious. Gonna, because I, what I said, Emily, in one of these, one of the podcast episodes was like, it's, you know, looking back, I can see how- um, naive and earnest. Oh, I'm going to cry. You were like a baby with all of it on you. Baby, a baby. But the thing is, is that, and so for me as Anna, I can look at that and think, oh, it feels weak. But the truth is, is I actually see how beautiful that is as Bo because that's what made people react to her. Oh my God. The way they did. Yes. You know, and that now I can see that in looking back. It's actually been a bit therapeutic for me. <laughs> Good. Well, you, I think I've told you the story before, but like, just when I think about what you brought to the character, like obviously the character is written as this bisexual succubus. She's very sensual and you have that in spades. Let's face it, you're a total fucking smoke show. But, um, <laughs> is this PG-13? What, what is this podcast? <laughs> no, you can, you just leave that out. Leave that out. <laughs> But what you brought, which made the character grow and why we lasted so long, so many seasons, is you had so much humanity and vulnerability and warmth. So in the writing room after first season, we would call you the sexy puppy because we were like, but it's so funny. And it's so much more interesting, Anna, the way you played it, I think, that Bo was the sweetest and the most vulnerable and she wanted to be open and she wanted to love and she wanted to defend her team. She wasn't just kind of this one note sex kitten. And I swear that's why the show was a massive success because of all the nuance nuance you brought to that role, honestly. And then we as writers could write to it. Like there was just nothing you couldn't do. So I think that was part of the fun of the show is just like, subverting over and over again the stereotypes of what you think things are going to be. And it all started with you. Oh, well, thank you, Emily. You're That's welcome. very kind of you to say and means the world to me, to be honest. It, um, you know, I, it, it, looking back on this season, I can see, I can see where all the pieces really fit together. And I, yeah. I, I actually do see the value in Bo and what I brought to it and what, yeah. what everyone brought to it. Frankly, the yeah. casting on the show was was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I don't know. It's been really interesting to watch. Like, mm-hmm. I just really think- Even the warts and all of a first season is what makes it special, though, too. I know. You know what I mean? Like, even yeah. kind of like, like, there's not one episode I wouldn't watch and be like, oh, I wish I'd written that a little better or- yeah, tried or this. said this a little differently yeah, for me. Yeah, but then I always find something that I'm like, that was so good. Like, I, yeah. I, like there was there was that spark in it right from day one. I there think. was so. there was, and I what was interesting about season one too is that we were very much in the case of the week. Yeah. still, yeah. Um, and that was there was so much fun in that. Oh, I know. I kind of miss that in TV. Actually, like I, I mean, I like I like episodic. I mean, so, I like that kind yeah. of stuff. So procedural I. stuff. I, um, I think you see being able to turn on your favorite episode like that, like arachnophobia is contained and it's so yes. funny. And like, yeah. I feel like that's really comforting sort of it to is. watch it like that sometimes. Yeah. Um, I have another question for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, okay, wait, let me see here. What, were there any specific challenges to season one? We may have talked about this a little bit. Oh right? God. Any I mean, specific challenges that you can recall? So many, but also I feel like it's so much like giving birth. Like you sort of just look at your beautiful baby and you forget that you were screaming for 48 <laughs> hours in labor. Right. And you want like, to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, I would say the biggest challenge of first season behind the scenes is always everybody just battling about what the show is going to be. Like everyone, the show gets greenlit and then it turns out the network thinks it's a space show. Michelle thinks it's a romance. And the rest of us are like, we thought we were making a mystery or whatever. So I do think just like kind of people jockeying for position, not in a bad way, but just like getting the notes, making sure that everybody's on the same page, finding people's strengths and weaknesses. Um, that was definitely hard, but that's very typical of first season. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say, which is kind of a boring one, but is very like indicative of Canadian TV is just the budget. Like what's funny about this episode in particular and why I'm so proud of it is this is what's called a bottle episode, right? So we're mid-season and season one, we're running out of money we need an episode that takes place almost entirely on our sets. The sets are standing sets, the sets we've already built, right? So we're like, how do we get... So that's how you kind of start from. You're like, we need a case of the week that confines Kenzie and Bo to the clubhouse for as much of the episode as we can do, right? And that's kind of like you work backwards and you're like, well, what if they were paranoid? What if they thought they were locked in? What if they were in quarantine? And like, sometimes... TV is really fun like that. It's almost like just like a puzzle and it's not always logical the way you get there. Um, but that's really what happened in Arachnophobia. We were kind of like, oh, we need an episode that's not like a massive ball, right? We need, right. like, obviously we have to do the spider and stuff like that. Um, but then what's really fun about a bottle episode is it just becomes about the characters, right? It just is so much about Bo and Kenzie's friendship and them realizing like, it's so cute when they have their first fight, but they also realize how much they're going to fight for it. You know, all the stuff, the intrigue with Bo and Dyson and Lauren is so fun. Hale gets kind of a shining role. I know he, he had does. Casey on, which is so good. He's so yes. funny in that episode. He's great. Um, So I would say like always in Canadian TV, there's often just like, you know, you wish you had a budget for a massive spider or flamethrowers everywhere. You know what I mean? But also I think what makes it kind of gracious and good and fun is your limitations. It has to be so good with what you've got. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it was, it was so good. And the spider was charming. Yeah. The spider was great. Yeah. You know, it didn't need to be more than what it was. It was exactly what it should be. 
Well, just like that horror movie stuff of like seeing less is sometimes more. Like when Bo's in the shower and you just know it's there. Like it's the Jaws thing. Like it's the Steven Spielberg Jaws thing. Like the Jaws shark robot didn't work. So you don't really see the shark till the end, but you know it's there. Yeah, Yeah, the spider was really charming and the spider POV is really cute. Yeah. Yeah, it was, the special effects were good. They were fun. They were really good. They were really good. Mm -hmm. Um, You became our showrunner. In did three and four. Yes. So at that point, I know we're jumping ahead, but um, okay. at that point, at that point, this show was very well established. Yeah. You know, at this point, mm-hmm. the audience has seen it. Like when we were still filming yes. season one, no one had seen it. Oh, I know. You're like, is anyone going to watch this? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. We're like, what are we doing? Are we coming yeah. back? We don't know. Yeah. Um, and, but in season three and four, you become our showrunner and mm-hmm. the show is very well established. We have met fans face to face. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the particular, you know, challenges of that and, and pressures around that? I mean, it's hard. Like I went and had a baby in second season. So I kind of was writing from home and stuff in second season. And then I, and when did you, yeah. And then I, and then I took over in season three. Yeah. I mean, just. And I had a baby. You had a baby. Right. <laughs> yeah, right Although, God, season four. God, you had perfect timing. God. I, I, I know. Mean, you did it perfectly. Well, I will, so I will thank, uh. The uh, Jay Firestone, I guess, for that, for mm-hmm. planning the hiatus. Oh, he, he planned a two-week hiatus. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I had to drive our car from Toronto to LA. So we made a two-week baby-making road trip. Road and trip, what? baby. It worked. Oh, my God. <laughs> so amazing. The timing Good. of that. Well, then we had the fun episode, too, where like Bo disappears and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you always feel the pressure of inheriting something that's beloved, right? And mm-hmm. I do think often, not always, but... Sometimes there's diminishing returns when a show goes on and on and on and on forever, right? It's hard to keep it fresh. And, you know, it's like when you get a shiny new toy. At first, you love it. And then even if you love it, it's not a novelty item after three years. You know, that's just human nature. So I think just pushing forward on season three and four, hoping to, like, really honor Michelle's vision was kind of a big thing for me, too, because she was such a mentor to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys, like, you know, like I was kind of like I started out as the junior. So when someone who starts as a younger writer takes over a show, it's hard. You want to be like, I really want to earn the trust of the cast and the crew that I know what I'm doing. And I'm not going to rock the boat in a way that's going to make people uncomfortable or storylines that they absolutely despise. Um And also the other thing I would say in season three and four, and like I'm harder on those seasons, I think just personally is like, it's hard not to get bogged down in the mythology sometimes. Does that make sense? Like you're kind of like unraveling all the mythology of the Fae, all the mythology of Bo's family. And it's still delightful because you love this character and you want to know where she comes from. But sometimes you can be so deep in it that you have to remember, you have to remind yourself sometimes that like, but maybe an episode with a spider is just the thing we need. Like something that's right. kind of a breath of fresh air, really grounds our character, really fun. So I really always like kind of tried to have episodes like that every season. Like that the body really swap fun. episode, like the body which swap. people exactly. still talk about. I know, which time, is crazy. Right? I I wrote that's that's one of my scripts I ever my favorite scripts I ever wrote. But I wrote it two weeks after I gave birth. And I am not kidding when I say to you, I think I had crazy brain. Like I don't think I could write it now. I think I was psychotic, but it was so fun. But that's also, you can only do a good body swap episode when the cast is so strong that they know their characters so inherently that they are able to play each other. Like that's only a testament to the cast more than the writing, I think. But anyway, 
So yeah, season three and four were like, look, they were hard. And it, and you're right. It was kind of a bonafide hit. So you're like, I just don't want to screw it up. That's what you feel like. It's like, well, being you handy. didn't. Thank you. <laughs> you were yeah, amazing. No, I had a ball. Yeah. It was really fun. Um, and maybe let's talk a little bit about Michelle Lavretta because, sure. you know, um, Michelle is, in my mind, Michelle is Bo. She, oh, that's so lovely. You know, I think of Michelle as Bo. Michelle is, you actually know Michelle better than I do because you have a yeah. different history with her. Sure. Um, but, you know, Michelle is uh, not the kind of person who likes to be front and center. No, but- she's, she's, it's funny though, because when you say she's like Bo, she talks like Kenzie. Like she's so yes. witty and quick, yes. but she's definitely more, she's more of like a, she has such an incredible imagination, Yeah, but she is more of a private person. Like she yes. isn't that interested in doing the cons. And totally. stuff like that. I, did, I think fine. I did a couple of cons with her and I remember her being quite nervous. And when yeah. I say she's like Bo, um, you have to remember my framework of Bo is that she's vulnerable yes. and um, 100% nervous. <laughs> so yeah. that's how, and that's sort of fiercely loyal, but, too. Fear, but also fierce. And the truth is, is like, yeah. you know, not weak. There's nothing weak about Bo no. and there's nothing weak about Miss Loretta. No. Um, it's, uh, but, but there's just like this, the strength comes, it, it, it's not in your face, Mm-mm. but it's, it's just in the presence of it. So yeah. her writing is like that. One you know? of the most incredible minds I've ever had the privilege of working with. Wow. Like can't find her car in the parking garage. Like what is it? Right brain, left brain. Yeah. Which one is artistic? Seth will know. I don't I know. know. I, mean, I always, honestly, I always forget. But she's like so extremely a genius on the artistic side. And then again, like we'll lose her luggage immediately kind of right. thing, which I right. say fondly, but like a bonafide genius. I yeah. have never seen anyone create worlds like she does. I, it's funny too. Like she is quite shy, but I have never seen a better pitcher in the room. Like when wow. she goes in and pitches to the network, it's like a symphony. It's so, she's so confident. She knows these characters down to their bones, the storylines. And like, she's collaborative, but she knows her own voice and she's fierce. Like she will fight for what's important. She will defend her people. She's so loyal. Yes. She honestly changed my life. Like no other writer I know. Um, And she's so funny. Yeah. So yeah, she is a private person for sure. Um, But I hope she's so proud of the show and what it is and how beloved it still is. Yeah. Don't you think if and Lost Girl came out today, is. it would be a, a massive hit? A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Honestly, like we, we, we've it. been at cons together. We yes. meet people and I meet new people, like yeah. young new fans yeah. that are just discovering it. Yeah. And it's so funny because in watching this first season, like I, there's nothing that feels dated, Mm-mm. like nothing. You know, there might be a few techie references (laughs) that make me go, oh. That's one thing, like, sometimes, like, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone, sometimes pop culture references, you're like, oh, that's going to date a little bit. But if it's still You know what you guys did a lot is you, with pop culture stuff, you went back. Yeah. You know, like, you, so, like, because I remember Ksenia had a lot of things to say that every once in a while she'd be like, I don't get this because she's too young. (laughs) She's like a baby, baby. And I'd be like, oh, it's this, this. And she's like, ah, okay. He's like, she's Um, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So that was really smart. But yeah, no, you could watch it today. It totally stands. Um, Oh, yeah. And all the leather, like even the wardrobe is amazing. It's sexy. Yeah. It feels progressive. I still have a lot of my wardrobe. (gasps) 
um, which, you know, I live in California, so dark black leather is not. I stood up for the big finale. I know. Um, Whoops. I just uh, recently found my dagger. Nice. Because I had that stashed away. And you I was ever put to that out to with a nice sons. cheese with a nice cheese board? <laughs> exactly. Pull it Just out for the holidays for Hanukkah. Yeah, Come on. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I recently found like my my purple leather vest that I used to wear. Oh, that's vest. iconic. I know. Iconic. We got to get that into in the Smithsonian <laughs> or the Canadian like Walk of Fame. Maybe Kim that's Kardashian can. Can wear it on yes, the carpet. Destroy it for you. Oops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. I'm trying to think what um, I have. I have the most random things. You know what I have is the huge sign from Hecuba Prison, 301, do. Cage Fay. It's like in my garage. And my husband is like, Can we get rid of this? And I'm like, No, we can't. We can get rid of the car, but we can't get rid of that Hecuba prison you know what sign. I have. I have what? the um the slate from our last scene that we shot in season Aww, one. That's that crazy. Stolen for me. I won't out the person who stole it for me and gave it to me. Good. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty we sure didn't know safe. we were coming back. No. Right? Like, you forget that filmed, feeling. Yes. You forget that feeling, right, of just not yes. knowing. Of yes. The torture between seasons and saying goodbye to everyone on set and being like, it feels like a family. And what if we don't get to do this again? I know. Even like superstitiously, like, I'm like, how much stuff do I leave in my office? Should I leave nothing? Like, should I leave my plant? Like, right. I don't want to jinx it, but I also want to be confident. Like, yeah, especially after season one. Yeah. Especially after season one. And honestly, like looking back, I feel so lucky that we got to finish the story. Yes. Like we got to tell it. We got to say it's goodbye. so rare. I know. And it actually made it like people right after people were like, oh my gosh, you know, you're heartbroken. It's over. And I was like, well, yes. The answer mm-hmm. is yes. But also mm-hmm. because we lived it so thoroughly. Yeah. I always say that when I drove away from the studio on that last night, I feel like it went up in a puff of smoke into like yeah. the the – a dream state that I had yeah. been in. For it's like reading years, the best know? book, right? Like the feeling you it get is. when you it, read a it book. It stays you with you. It stays like with being you. wistful, but satisfied. Yes, yeah. exactly. And mm-hmm. so we were really lucky like mm-hmm. we, that it's that so happened rare. for us. Yeah. And there were so many things happening behind the scenes that I'm totally unaware of that you no. knew everything about. No, <laughs> so. well, yeah, less so the last season, but, but we had good executives too. We had good executives at Showcase. We had Stephen Finney, who was amazing yes. and stuff like that. We have so. spoken to Stephen Finney. Yay. Yeah. Oh, he's such a good guy. And he was such a good champion. Like He was. He they, believed in our show so yeah, much. Yeah, they did. I think yeah. they really saw it could be something amazing and so unique. And yeah. they, were, they didn't have a heavy hand at it at all. They were so supportive. So, yeah. When but it first came out, I remember the number one thing I would hear from people is, "Your show doesn't look Canadian," and that's yeah. that's not to say bad things about other Canadian shows, no. of course, because there were so many good ones. Mm-hmm. But what it, I think it meant, and what people were saying, is like it, it, it was really brave storytelling. Yeah. Um, it was really interesting subject matter. It was really uh, beautiful to look at. Yeah, David Green. David Green, sophisticated. Yeah. Sophisticated, deliberate, yeah. thoughtful. It was, mm-hmm. you know, and then we had so much fun doing it. So that's why mm-hmm. it, it just, it looked, um, it's, it's got a really big international appeal as we yeah. know, because Still, now we've met massive. the fans. Yeah. Um, what are some of your best memories of Lost Girl? Oh my God. It's season her- one, but also any, any of I mean, I will never forget the first time I got, I was lucky enough to go to a con with you guys. Like going to San Diego Comic Con was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was pretty proud when I took over as showrunner and just like getting to the end of season three and feeling like we did it was incredible. Yeah. You know, 
I have some fun, weird memories. I remember like, I'll talk to Rachel about this, but there was one night we were filming really late. Um, and it was when the Wanderer first shows up and like all the cards like fall from the sky. And we just had like a huge crane and the crew was in kind of a good mood. And it was just so beautiful. And I was like, I just can't believe we get to do this on the show. Like, um, God, I have so many good memories of you guys just nailing it. Read-throughs even, like hearing the jokes and knowing you guys got it. Just like never having to coach you guys. Not that I ever would. Like just feeling so confident that you guys knew your characters inside and out. Yeah. And honestly, working with the writers, like it was, a, it was for the most part an incredibly positive experience behind the scenes with yeah. that group of writers. So just laughing, coming up with stupid shit, writing an episode about mermaids. You know, uh, yes. and being the mermaid, making the mermaids like the bitches of the sea, like just like there's so much joy and, and knowing as well that the audience was going to understand the joy when they saw it on screen. They would they were going to understand what we were trying to do, that we wanted to make them feel all the feels, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it absolutely changed my life. I miss it. Uh, I know. It was great. It was great. It was great. It's like it's like the best book you've ever read. Like you said, yeah. it's always it's always there. It's you mm-hmm. carry it with you. Um, what do, what do Lost Girl fans mean to you? I mean, I know you, as all of everyone listening knows, um, Emily has her own show that she started and that is, which would never exist, would would never have existed without Lost Girl. Right. I mean, that's yes. But then it, it sprang into this whole new thing with the, you know, a whole, the same sort of audience, but then it expanded that audience. And, um, there's so much crossover between those fans. So Anna, as you know, um, I feel like lost girl really taught me about this group of fans who were underserved, uh, with storytelling. Do you know what I mean? Like queer fans, female fans, fans who love subversive, dark, funny genre, um, I just met so many people who identified with characters on Lost Girl and said, you know, I feel like I'm finally seeing myself on screen. When I see Bo, I'm seeing a bisexual woman, like who is fiercely uncompromising, you know, come into her own, unapologetic. She truly is bisexual. She's not kind of like playing it up, you know, which is how, you know, bisexuals were kind of traditionally written on television um, or evil or whatever. I mean, I met so many people for whom they were like, this really was the first time I ever saw myself on television in such an empowering way. But also the fans that make me really emotional are fans who are maybe a little bit older who say, oh my God, I wish I had had this when I was younger. Do you know what I mean? Like I kind of was subsisting on subtext for so long And now to know that this latest generation has just such a proud bisexual lead who's so funny and like not even just defined by her sexuality. I mean, that stuff kind of makes me cry. The generosity of older fans to this next generation, they're just so happy it exists. Um, So I mean, I've never thought about that all the time. Oh, Oh yeah. That's the most emotional for me is just people who are like, God, my life, you know, Growing up in a small town in Kansas would have been so different if Lost Girl existed then. Yeah. But God, I'm so glad it exists now, you know? Yeah. Um, I know. I remember meeting fans for the first time, you know, at, at some of the, you know, the first few cons, we were kind of on stage and we'd yeah. come out and be like, yeah, you're like, what, do I expect? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, but then when you kind of get to like, you know, they're waiting in a line to meet you and they've got a letter for you. I know. And there's people that are there just shaking and I know. they come up and they, they tell you very personal things and trusting you with their story. And I always, 
the first few times that happened, I really tried to hold space for them. Yeah. In those oh, you moments would, Anna. You're so because, naturally like that. Well, it's it's so meaningful. Yeah. Like yeah, it's they're waiting humbling. in line to say I love you. They're waiting in line to say to you, your performance changed my life. And that this like, matters to me. Yeah. Like this matters to me so much. So like yeah. it was it's I, I think without that experience that we've had of meeting fans the way we have, I mean, I think it would be a different experience. It would just would be Definitely. less, it would have less, I don't know, there's a whole Maybe. other side of it coming at yeah. us instead of us. Well, just you used to them. just write something and film it and then it would air eight months later yeah. and you would just be on your couch eating Cheetos if you're me watching <laughs> it. And you're like, well, I hope people like that. Right. Yeah. And like, I guess I can look at the ratings, but that's just a number. Right. right. But yeah. to meet people face to face or online who say this line was so funny or, oh my God, did you see Anna when she was crying, when Bo was crying? It was so incredible. Like, I do think that kind of give and take is what sets genre apart from other, you know, forms of television is it's yeah. a very intimate and personal relationship between the fandom and the show often. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like I'm kind of a genre for life. I just like can't explain how meaningful it is to be able to write stories for people who are so grateful and hungry yeah. for them. And it yeah. makes me want to be a better writer all the time. It makes me want to not cut corners and really like hold it in my head. That person I met from like Iran who like could get in trouble for watching Lost Girl. Like those are the other fans we met. I would meet people online who would be like, I you know, watch Lost Girl legally or whatever, but like yeah. it is illegal to be queer in my country or even watch something so sexually charged, right. but it mattered so much to me. And I, I just like, I hold them in my heart. I feel the same me way. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Emily, thank you. Thank you for having doing me. doing this. Oh my, oh, we're, we're so lucky. Joy. And as you know, everyone listening, um, this will, will be meaningful for them. And it's meaningful for me. You were a huge, I mean, I lost girl is, you know, your front and center in that memory for me. Um, and we're so wonderful to work with and Same. lifted me I got up you forever, my love. If you ever <laughs> need anything, you. I don't know how you look exactly the same as you did. <laughs> so do you. Uh, no, I just have good filters on my zoom. You look amazing. <laughs> you look incredible. Thank you. But uh, thank you for having me and say hi to crazy Rachel. I know she I hasn't showed up on the show yet, but I look forward to her <laughs> debut. She will be, uh, she will be showing up a lot. So okay, um, thank you everyone for listening. What a treat today. And um, we will talk to you all very soon. Live the life you choose. Live the life you choose. Amen. Bye guys. Thanks, Anna. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast, which is produced by Anna Silk, Rachel Scarston, and Seth Cooperman, with theme music by our very own Blood King, Rick Howland. Please rate, review, and share the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast. This enables us to grow and to continue bringing you exciting new content every week. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram and on our YouTube channel at Lost Girl Rewatch. You can also subscribe to Patreon for exclusive bonus episodes made just for you and get early access to all of our episodes. I have a final question for you. It's a little fun thing we try to do at the end. 
Um, this is a bit of a challenge for you, Mr. Collins. I have told this story at least once before at a convention. The first time I worked with Casey was on, we did a show called 1-800-MISSING, um, where I was like the kidnap victim and he was the kidnapper, although it turns out he was the good guy. Um, we were in trailers side by side, which were teeny tiny trailers. We could hear, I could hear everything. And of course I was sitting in my trailer with my script and my pocket protector. <laughs> Not really, but that's how much of a giant geek I think I was, particularly then, you know, I was getting ready and suddenly in the trailer next door, I heard a voice and that voice was Casey Collins and Casey, you are singing a song and I challenge you. Do you remember that song, and can you sing it for us now? Move, bitch, get out the way. Get out the way, bitch, get out the way. Move, bitch, get out the way. <laughs> Ludicrous. Yeah. I love it. I loved it. I was like, who is this guy next door to me? Oh, my God. It was amazing. It was amazing to hear that. It, uh... It was it was awesome. That, Thank you, Casey Collins. But that says so much about you as well, if you think about it, because you received that in such a way that was non-judgmental. It was it put a smile on your face. It made you want to find out who this person is, get to know them. So that says so much about you and and, and your personality and just your beauty. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.